the best way for you to prepare for the future is to have your diverse tool set. And lots of people have a love-hate relationship with it. And the phrase is very simple because it's only two words. And it says, everybody sells. The communication is a really strong tool in your toolbox because it enables you to gather around other people, build your own supporters, the networks who can make things possible, build your own company inside of the company. Welcome to People Tech and Other Weirdness, the not-so-serious soft-serve podcast. Here we collect stories from our people about their roles and rules, game-changing decisions, wins, walls, and falls. You'll hear about technologies from those who create them. Let's see who we have on today. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of our series of podcasts called uh, People Tech and Other Weirdness. My name is Kuba Kampinski. I'm a communication expert and consultant. And today I'm joined uh, by a popular guy when it comes to podcasts, Alex Michalchuk, uh, director of the COE Critical Services. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Hey, Kuba. Uh, I didn't know. I, since, until this morning, I didn't know that I'm a popular guy, but I guess it, it may be a thing in next years. Okay. Yeah. People, tech, and other weirdness. Which one is your favorite part? I would say the other weirdness for sure. I've always been a little bit, I'm not clinically insane, but I have weird thoughts and weird thought process. So sometimes I drew con conclusions and the, the connections where other people don't see them. I guess maybe it's I was born this way. I, I am a lefty. And like since the school, everyone was telling like, hey, the lefties are more creative and other stuff. One of the things that how I saw that something is different for me is that it's really easy for me to imagine and rotate any geometrical form, split this in my mind and type of things where it came to university and you, you have that special technical course that, uh, where you need to go and do these technical drawings. Everyone was struggling and I was like literally helping the entire faculty to keep up with that because I can literally take any paper and split things and draw things. And so it's weird. Okay, it's great. I mean, I'm going to encourage you to wear that hat looking for those connections today. And maybe we're going to rotate things a bit, I guess. Alex, I started with this, you know, kind of we're going to ask you a few if questions at the start, you know, kind of to set the context. Uh, and um, let me actually share something with you that I don't know maybe only one or two people in the company know about this so uh you know when i went to high school i actually graduated in computer programming uh, most people don't know no me how to tech and halfway through that program it was four years i actually decided this is not for me uh but i still remember you know turbo pascal i remember algorithms i remember you know those little things a lot of uh, really um, clever folks that i went to school with but I still remember one situation, one specific situation. Maybe I was in my second or third year and our physics teacher was also our class tutor. And she was talking to us. I think she was trying to motivate people. Uh, and this is one thing she said, and she said this, you guys might not recognize this, but we as teachers here in the school, we're trying to prepare you for jobs that don't exist yet. 
This was 21, 22 years ago, 1999, 2000. And I keep on coming back to this thought from time to time. I have these conversations about technology, how the AI, you know, is advancing computer IQ. Alex, the first question, the first if questions go like this, you know, if you were a magician or a fortune teller and you had this glass ball, you could look into the future. What are these jobs or roles that don't exist yet? Let's say in the world of IT do you think you could see there? That's a good one. And I will answer that. Uh, but first, I may, I'm sharing this. I started to share this much more, but I also, my original degree is in welding. No way close to the IT. <laughs> well, it seems like it's not, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is also would be one of my topics where I will be talking in front of the Lviv Polytechnic audience in January, is that university, it was a great time. Everyone was, hey, I'm going to be a lawyer. Hey, I'm going to be a computer guy. Hey, you know, computer guy, IT, I'm going to be a programmer and, you know, these type of things. And I'm going to be a space engineer. And then years passed. I'm meeting those people right now. And really very small percentage, even when I went from welding to the computer science, still like you imagine that from my faculty where it's all computer science development and, you know, everyone going to be IT. Roughly a half is IT. Another half, I, I get surprised. Some people went to go be builders, designers, architects, like like people who design business centers so like, whoa. Um, so answering your question right now, what future holds, it's, it's just literally every credible or less credible uh, analytics right now go in and say like, Hey, this is going to be new jobs. AI driven. You need to know a lot of data science, machine learning. There's will be a lot of things around that like robotics and other things. So uh, I don't see that creative jobs and people who need to go and think outside of the box, create something new, go connect with other people, uh, solve complexity, find uh, abstract complexity from very complex case to go and share that knowledge with others so they can understand and contribute back to your case, it would be the most valuable skills. So the future as it holds right now, uh, the best way for you to prepare for the future is to have your diverse tool set expanding your tool set and by that i'm i'm, I'm saying hey uh, you're a programmer right now as any new framework approach you learn the cloud platform as, as, as a devops as a new tool you learn it's a professional tool but like communication ability to present ability to manage conflicts ability to uh, abstract and share the idea coach and mentor uh, uh, drive smaller projects uh, go and drive something non-profit try to contribute back to your uh, local society society <laughs> yeah to, to your local community um that's effectively expands your other skills, working with people, working outside of your comfort zone, your expert zone. And 
you cannot imagine how some of these lessons learned contribute back uh, in the future to you. Because I I learned, like I, I went through this agile sprints, methodologies, I got my certifications. I was working a lot of the, like being an architect, you, you design a lot, estimate, you, you kind of go and work with risks. But then I started to build my own home and <laughs> with my builders, I run sprint plannings. <laughs> Literally, I I don't have the uh, you know sprint burndown chart, but uh, yeah, I, I translated some of the skills and some of the abilities to work with diverse teams, with people with very different backgrounds. Like imagine when when you are DevOps and you need to go and work with a uh, well maybe not a QA team but business analytics team from uh, from another client side, and they talk totally different language with you. Uh, that's a, a way for you to go and abstract complex things, your vision and translate it to other people so they can understand what you want to get. And that toolbox for me is right now is, is the key to success in the future. Interesting. It kind of answers one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about whether skills are transferable and they, they, they definitely are. There is this one particular skill, though, and there is, it's connected to this uh, phrase that we hear as some kind of a mantra these days. And lots of people have a love-hate relationship with it. And the phrase is very simple because it's only two words and it says everybody sells. And if you think about it, you know, business presentations, some people hate this concept. Well, I'm a technical guy. I don't sell anything, you know, but yeah, you, we, you can sell an idea, right? You can sell an idea at work or you're meeting with a bunch of friends. You're deciding which restaurant to choose. You can pitch your idea. You, you, you can sell your idea. If you have kids or you talk to teenagers, you know, that convincing, right? Encouraging teenagers is very much about understanding that audience pitching and selling. What are some of these other transferable skills? Um, I'm thinking about how to encourage people, you know, maybe to invest time and effort in that. What are some of these other uh, transferable skills that you can see? Well, not exactly a skill, but something that is like ability to see a silver lining and a, a positive spin on every case where it may be a bad thing. You, you get fired from a job or the decision was made in the project to go with a technology that you don't really like and support. And you need to still go back, talk with other people, talk with the communities and even yourself and uh, help them to see that bright spin, to motivate them, to inspire them in front of the challenge, in front of the controversy, uh, being able to inspire the people to act to lift them up where it's like, hey, it's a crazy two years we're talking about. And the third, the next one gonna be crazy as well. And from all of the stress of a changing environment, people get upset. There's a lot of stress, lots of things happening in, internally with their lives, with their work and uh, helping to get their day a little better, help them to give some hope and the um, a belief in a better future. So how this is going to pay them off and kind of uh, turn the dark case uh, into the bright room. That's one of the things that uh, I guess people 
learn eventually as they start working and kind of leading the teams in the future. Because looking at myself at 21, 22, I, I was perfectly fine working with computers and not talking to people aside of very small group of friends, which I was playing some online games with. Um, I didn't want to talk with people at all because like, hey, you know, people are people. They don't understand stuff that I do. And uh, like, why bother explaining them if they don't understand or don't care? But as, uh, as I started to grow, grew and understand that the big things, the big achievements and the big payoff in terms of emotional, I would say payoff is like big achievements in life happen with support of a large group there is definitely you can argue the case that some in some things it's only like individual for perseverance that matters but truly to make an impact on the world uh, on the people around you and make their life better you will have to start working with other people and learning the, the that skill where you need to listen hear what they're saying, being able to communicate in a way they also can understand what you're trying to share and uh, kind of build out this network uh, connections uh, of people where the right time comes, that connections and that, that network helps you to achieve greater things because you're effectively assembling your personal army in the face of you know the next big dungeon boss. You, you're assembling your, your guild, your group to go and, you know, slay a bigger four. And it, it's not other people. It's a big, complex problems. It's a big, complex transformations in the, like in a hope of the better future. Right. Thank you for sharing. I was, I was listening to you and I kind of clicked with this uh, phrase. I, it doesn't. I don't think it exists in the Polish language. I'm not sure about Ukrainian, but in English it goes like this: It takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I was thinking of an equivalent. I couldn't think of one. So, yeah. What does it take uh, to, let's say, raise or grow a person who might be able to have those jobs of the future, those jobs that don't exist yet? Right. In other words, how can they be supported, Alex? Oh. That's a good one um, and difficult one. Uh, the support comes from many directions. The support comes on a team level, uh, but support also comes in, and I'm talking about a company like, like ours, like software. When the culture, the, 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 the DNA of the company is uh, about helping people grow, it's, it's not just a statement. It's something that is rooted through many layers throughout of the, how companies measured, how they did the, the business measured. And I'm looking on this picture right now from a position of a leader where I have an, an exposure to internal mechanisms, see how the, the other departments and myself gets measured, the success, the progress. And of course we have for profit businesses. All other businesses are. But what really changes the game is that in cases like COVID came, you see how company braced itself and continued to dedicate their time, their efforts, their budgets to growing people in a, in a 
time of uncertainty where the natural instinct of every business in the world or most of the businesses in the world was to you know shrink down get your defenses up get ready for their like you know brace 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 uh there still was uh you know a, a light in front of us in terms of hey yeah but we need to learn from this this is the learning programs that are going we're getting plans to reskill people that affect that we're working with our uh, departments functional offices with our tech school uh, with our GTO offices and how we can effectively and quickly put our learning machine uh, in front of people and give them new opportunities with work new opportunities to kind of extend their toolbox because in the end of the day, being a great expert in something is great, but the right opportunities just for that expert are rare. Effectively, you you have much more success uh, where you can find a fit for your skill in almost every opportunity, and you see the gaps there. Hey, I may don't I don't know this or that. But it's an opportunity for me to learn. And this is how company can support me. This is internal networks, trainings, access to like external resources as well. The company going to support me. And that feeling, knowing that I can take on that risk because there is a structure, the system around me, the people around me who can support me and help me to reduce that risks is what makes people comfortable like yeah willing to take those risks and by those risks in the end of the day they grow i was um reading a book at the moment that again it reminds me what you're saying reminds me of this book i'm reading at the moment um it's it's a book in polish the title is a nightmare i'm not even going to try to uh translate it um but essentially they kind of kick off the book with this description of a concept which is not new because i think it's about 50 years old and the concept says that in today's workplace we have a lot of people called knowledge workers again it's not a new concept but they they and they kind of continue with the fact that we're at this border of all the new also this old paradigm of the workplace the new paradigm of the workplace now this book is from 2017 you know so now we can also add this additional layer pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic world yeah. and they talk about these three and then this is interesting i'm going to just introduce it literally in a few seconds and then there's going to be a question there they talk about these three traits of this knowledge worker to say number one it's a person with agency who wants to be you know independent autonomous at the same time this person strives for personal mastery so they do what moves them they want to maximize the use of their skills and talents and finally the last trait they say these people are also very picky in terms of what they're going to get involved in so is this the company I'm going to work for? Is this the political party I'm sure I'm going to vote? Or is this the cause that I'm going to donate my money to? And those people at the end of the day, they create, this gets distributed. Someone makes a practical use of it. But there was a funny sentence that they started this chapter with. And they said, most of the work of knowledge workers is invisible. How do you read through this? you know, concept of a knowledge worker, jobs of the future, you know, upskilling, supporting people. What's, um, what's your take on that? You know, we looked at the like work of the future. M many try to theorize what would it be in like, how, for example, VR and the, the metaverses and other businesses right now structuring around getting 
uh, augmented into the augmented reality in a new space into virtual space a new frontier uh, like a build up on top of the the, the traditional internet and how this can in, impact the human relationship and the, the abilities to communicate and what, what is else possible uh, we look at that. We look at like how quantum computing can disrupt the industries. How how this going to affect the businesses? How this is going to affect the risk and security and many other aspects? And while something that is in our reach right now is like you know, there's concepts already out. There are some things that you can touch and you can get. There is much more information about. It's like confidence level that hey, you kind of know where where the thing's gonna be in next three to five years. At least you have your guesstimate, like without any major type of things like <laughs> COVID happening. But even with the COVID right now, you you kind of know that okay, the industry is going a little bit up online. There's lots of services. You you start to feel and see how this future gonna look like. But that's also has a lot of ambiguity. What if we get breakthrough in, in variable electronics and, uh, you know, battery capacity? What if we're going to have a breakthrough and much more quicker rollout for quantum computing and energy and or space race? You cannot be ready for everything. You cannot learn every, there's no so many hours and the knowledge and complexity curve for most things is just beyond right now. I'm, I'm comfortable watching some, you know, the popular science channels on YouTube explaining uh, different concepts, kind of sometimes buying books from like Kurgazat, who talks about the immunity in nice ways. And like, it's, it's really interesting. But buying that book and watching a bunch of the videos doesn't make me an expert in immunology. I cannot go and work, you know, developing the next vaccine. It just gives me much more broader landscape what things are possible. What are the achievements of others in these fields? And the expertise in my field helps me to convert that concept into my field and expand and improve my field of work or get, re get me ready to the next things that come because while they can be very complex, there still will be people who can help make it usable. Uh, they abstract uh, and dissolve this information in bits and pieces. And we're eventually going to get on with that as we were getting on with uh, cell phone tech and the, the internet and VRs right now and other things. So that's the thing. Yeah, getting ready is a constant work. In constant learning it's a constant process of you getting better and this is what defines knowledge workers for me you don't stop learning if you stop learning you start you know lagging behind and it's really hard to catch up these days and this is why it sometimes also feels very frustrating to constantly have this race, constantly sourcing new information. This analysis report comes in, this is event happened, this is a quick ramp, ramp up of this event, or you go and talk with the team who was there, because like Netflix right now, there's so many new TV series content released every day. It's humanly impossible 
to go through at least half of that content in a year, which is released in a single week. And choosing something is like it takes another half a year. Um, So you need to put your faith uh, in sometimes and go and just deep dive into something and explore if it's good enough. It's It's a risk. You can rely on other people's opinion like ratings, how how I'm watched, the trends. And this is how they effectively, the Netflix uh, industry right now with the TV series and other things is almost like an industry around AT. There's so many tools, approaches, things coming up that um, you don't have time to go and get to learn everything. You rely on other people's opinion, your network, your recommendations from a friend, and multiple recommendations from other friends to say like, hey you need to go and try this out or learn this or hey have you heard about and this is what spikes your interest and kind of prioritizes the things for you but that's a constant thing um in a year if you like for example and uh, like, like i'm oversimplifying things and for, for, for the you know joke's sake if you don't watch a netflix for a year all your all your friends who watched uh you know squid game uh, who watched like Witcher is coming th- th- this week, literally. And other things, they t- start talking with you about, hey, and throwing jokes about this. And you don't know anything. Hey, I haven't watched that. I don't know about that. And you know about that. Many people don't want to be in that situation where they fall behind their peers in terms of just general cultural or technology knowledge. So it creates a pressure to keep up. So people keep up. Uh, and I don't know if it's good or, or else in this case. I always been a, a guy who just casually like reading a lot of books and it's, uh, thanks to my parents, I guess, because I started to learn uh, and uh, read a lot of literature uh, in the early years. And that you just, you know, a habit that you can yeah, I can sometimes spend a few months without reading a book, but still I'm reading uh, articles, reading some papers and other things, but eventually I go back and bam, I'm, I read two, three books uh, uh, just because it's, you know, something I, I enjoy doing. So habit of learning, I believe, is an acquired thing. And eventually you 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 get into the habit and it reduces the stress of keeping up and learning because you do the things naturally. For me, the habit of learning is something that is just not stopping for me. And when I go for vacation, I may spend a week without like checking up on my phone too much. Uh, but eventually I find myself once again, watching some edu videos, some researches my, in my, in my <laughs> list of things, there's pop-ups, a paper of new things, new trend, and you go and start learning about that. Hell, I'm on vacation, maybe for two weeks a year, I can give myself a, you know, some slack and to not do that, but I just can't. It's just a habit to gain new information and the habit to learning new stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of interesting ideas. Netflix is something very, um, I'm not going to repeat interesting, but it's, uh, it, it offers a lot of food for thought. Many of the things that they look at, you know, chaos engineering, that's also some kind of Netflix. So Alex, I'm kind of um, slowly, you know, uh, getting towards the end. 
And I think we've we've talked about uh, quite a few interesting concepts. You know, we've looked through this uh, glass ball a little bit into the future. Um, we've talked about the context, you know, being these knowledge workers. And it kind of um, makes me think of sort of connecting two ideas from today. So on the one on the one hand, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes, let's say, a whole team, a whole company to raise this uh, great let's say contributor expert um, a human being at the same time so i think it puts a lot of stress on the company because you want to be surrounded by people who are potentially more well, smarter than you know smarter than you or so willing to share that knowledge so i think takes that culture but at the same time the way you spoke about this knowledge worker the person who might be successful in the future i immediately saw this picture of an entrepreneur and so the question is, how do we marry this up? How do we marry this concept of I'm an, you know, this, I, I work for a large company, but I think about myself, how I organize my time, whatever, the way I would organize my own micro business. I'm a, like a one man band. I'm a bit of a multi-tool, but at the same time, I'm kind of connected to all of those people. How, how can this be combined? How, how good do you think we're, you know, um, we are at this? So one of the things that clicked for me this year is that for my history before SoftServe, or I worked with a couple of large consulting and service companies. And even before that, I ran my, my own business and a few of them, uh, it was very degree of success and, uh, you know, the drama stories behind that and, you know, the reala reality of doing business in Ukraine and all associated risks when you get successful, successful enough. To, so other people notice you and not in a good way. Um, so, um, the thing that I gonna clicked for me this year is that you really a lot of people that surround me in SoftSurf are really entrepreneurs. They share the same passion. They share the same ideas. They, they go out, they act and, and do things like they own the place. Like it's, it's really their area. This is the, what, what, what they do. They, they feel the impact, the importance of their work uh, and impact of this work on other people. And more we have a mindset where it's uh, not about going out and kind of trying your own business and, and a startup and, you know, doing a traditional meaning of the entrepreneur, but you can be an entrepreneur in a large company because you can use this platform to go and test these ideas you have in your mind and go and implement things, especially in, in, in a company like SoftServe where we're not traditional in the ways of like hierarchies and comparing to like big guys like IBMs and, you know, Delos of the world. We have much more leeway in terms of uh, testing our ideas. So like literally, if you have a good idea, you go and talk with people at SoftServe and share that idea. And if they into the idea, they see the value, they're ready to try it. There's no like approval process of saying, hey, you need to go and get you know, a budget or whatsoever when, uh, to try things out and, uh, you know, approval from the board to, 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 the, to the things. Very few things at least require that. But most of the changes, most of the changes that impact 
the life of others, most of the crazy ideas on how we work with other clients and our markets and our partners and how we contributing to the learning uh, system at SoftSurf came from a simple idea of a single per person who just will to go out and try. They saw the value behind this idea and they went and sell this idea to other people at SoftSurf who were in their field or their field of the impact or internal market. So we, we got the idea of uh, like, you know, it's really hard to find people these days, uh, the markets, the result of the craze, remote work. Uh, so as soon as like end of 2020, it was literally, we started to observe this trend. We looked into what can help us to find people more effectively, give them offers, give them more uh, like flexible approaches to work, more flexible roles, craft these roles better. And we, with that idea in mind, we went talking with the people who were in, in the field in doing that, who hiring people, who interviewing people. And um, soon enough, more people recognized that, hey, I like the idea. I feel like it's gonna help me, it's gonna make my life easier. And they went on board. And effectively, we, we build a small enterprise inside of the company on how this thing works. We build a small company, we tested our product before scaling it out to the rest of the company. And uh, it went successful. People start, other people started to come to us and ask how we're doing this. Um, other people started to go and uh, uh, saying, hey, we want to get on board. So kind of into the next year, we're now starting to roll out this approach, this product of, of our enterprise and, and enter, entrepreneurship to the masses because we feel like it's a good product. It's a good value prop. And if you abstract a little bit, this is effectively how you work in your own business. You have an idea. You go build it, you go find uh, supporters for that idea, finding, you go and test it out with the real market. The, you, you see that customers, clients, or your clients want to buy this product. They, you go and scale your capacity to deliver this product. And this is how the entrepreneurship inside of the company, inside of SoftServe works. You have an idea. It will delivers the value. It have a potential. Other people get going to get on board. It's just important for you to be able to share that idea clearly and uh, kind of show the value of this idea, share your vision. And this is where I think that's like getting back to the original talk, the communication is a really strong tool in your toolbox because it enables you to gather around other people, build your own supporters, the networks who can make things possible, build your own company inside of the company. If you get what I mean here. Yes, yes. I, well, I think I do. And I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm lucky enough to be in a similar position. That's also how I um, started here nearly two years ago. I had been running my own business for five years before that. And I decided I'm going to, after you know a few weeks being in the company and seeing how things are done, how people see themselves, what mm -hmm. the mindsets might be, I decided uh, I'm going to bring the same toolbox you know, and it's been working really well. And it again, it reminds me of this um, uh, interview with uh, Sir Richard Branson, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the behind the Virgin group that I watched years ago. And it was an interesting one because 
at that time, seven, eight years ago, maybe, uh, uh, Virgin were stepping up their game and they had just created this company called Virgin Atlantic. So they were supposed to, you know, uh, the, the, the idea was to take people from Europe to the States, an airline. And it was, this was an interview with Branson and with another guy who was, I think, the CEO of Virgin Atlantic specifically. And he said something that can be boiled down, which boils down to this, you know, we're highly selective. We hire, you know, two or three people out of a hundred who apply because we're looking for this specific, you know, let's say tools, set of tools. Obviously we're going to grow people and so on and so forth. But we have this idea. We want to encourage people that if they see something can be done, needs to be done, do it because we want to instill in people this thinking that it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than ask for permission. And I remember seven, eight years ago watching that video and thinking, man, I would like to work for this company. <laughs> I'm going to make up a mess. Someone is going to, well, I, I, will, I will also have to clean it. So, so it's good to see that software is somewhere, somewhere there. It's obviously not an airline. The reality <laughs> is different with COVID things are different, but I can see those uh, those elements here too and 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 that's um that's a good sign yeah i, I would 100 percent agree here it's like um <laughs> i'm not sure if uh, <laughs> uh our cfo is listening to this but like yeah uh, sometimes you know the risks you need to try things you need to break things uh, and uh, yeah with so, so many things moving so fast it's really easier to take the moment take this opportunity do things uh, and then that they run in the risk of failing or in most cases uh, they run into the risk not achieving the original goal but achieving something else and still improving things uh so it's yeah to your point i i used to like saying hey okay yeah yeah guys uh, i'm sorry um won't happen again this month yeah and i gonna i know how to kind of improve the things right now to better integrate but it's already there it's working you see the results now let's think about how to scale it and now the ball is in their court and you like hey it's not really now you help me to scale it up and maybe clean up you know the, the edges right obviously we gotta be realistic at the end yeah. of you know yeah alex uh what can i say thank you for today uh thanks for that great conversation um you know the, the beginning of the day but the ending of the week a lot of for, for thought um i hope you enjoyed it too yeah it's as always it's a pleasure it's our friday talks with you and yeah, yeah without a doubt uh, i would say it's absolute pleasure to work with you Jakob. and uh, coming to the next year let's uh, you know uh, have another one of these talks talking about hey how 2023 gonna look like sure sure why not thank you for that um have a nice rest of the day it was really nice having you here Yay! Thank you, Jakob.